What a great song. I've totally had that song in my head over the past couple of weeks when Ben first shared it with me, and I, I really, I, I think, I, I really wanted to sing the part, you know. I wanted to take Mike's place on that, I've, and even Beth Ann's place, because I've been singing both parts the, the last couple of weeks, and uh, maybe you're like me, and, you know, well, whatever. But anyway, uh, what, a, what a great song. And um, we've, we've been talking about marriage, and the truth is that marriage can be one of the greatest things in your life, and it can be one of the worst things in your life. And that's why we're doing this series called Love Affair, because I believe, and I believe that the Bible teaches that your marriage can be one of the greatest parts of your life, that God designed marriage to be this love affair enjoyed by a husband and wife who are sold out and committed to one another. It doesn't mean that you just kind of throw it on autopilot and it takes care of itself. It's something that you have to work at. It's something that you have to pay attention to. It's, you know, it's like getting the 60,000 mile you know, tune up on your van. You, know, you have to put in the effort. You have to put in the time. And if you're willing to do that, your marriage can be a wonderful thing. But, but unfortunately, sometimes it isn't. And sometimes it can be a real disaster, and we've been talking about that over the past few weeks, that, that if we don't pay attention to it, if we don't watch our lives, if we don't watch where we're walking and, and allow ourselves to get out onto the ledge, you know, it, it, it ruins lives. You know, a bad marriage, a broken marriage can ruin lives, uh, but we believe that God wants to do a great work. And I believe with all of my heart that no matter where you are in your marriage right now, that, that God can so overwhelm you and your spouse and become such a part of your marriage, even if he's been absent, that things can be different. And, and so this morning, uh, as I kind of close out my portion of teaching in this series, I, I just want to leave you with one last thing. And it's really just one word. Uh, I don't have a fancy story to tell you this week. I don't even think I have anything funny in my message to tell you. I, I'm going to try and just share some truth and a great story as a great example in the Bible and give you one word to leave with that I think is capable of changing any aspect of your marriage and making it whole again. Uh, next week, Dr. Tim Gardner, uh, he's a, a marriage therapist and counselor here in this community. He's going to be here. Uh, Dr. Tim Gardner travels and speaks at marriage conferences. Great sense of humor, great insight, writer. He's going to be with me here on stage, and I'm just going to interview him and just ask questions, and he's funny, and, and we're just going to have a great time as he just shares what he's hearing uh, as he works with couples today and just give us some practical, helpful tools as we move ahead into the future uh, about how we can take better care of our marriages and make sure that they thrive thrive and, and truly uh, be the marriage that God has designed and wants for every one of us. Let's pray. God, <clears throat> I just pray this morning that you would be right here with us as we look to your word now, as we look for some sign of hope, as we look at this one powerful word that's capable of changing everything, capable of changing lives and capable of changing marriages. Uh, God, would you make this time all about you? Uh, would you be so loud and so clear? And would you enter into our hearts and challenge us with what you want to say. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Ryan had gone out shopping. And it had been a tough week for he and his wife, but he had no idea that she'd be gone when he got home. Uh, she just left a short note. It said, I'm out of here. Uh, she left for another guy, an old friend from high school. They had maintained an inappropriate relationship from high school. It wasn't physical, but emotional, and those can be just as dangerous. And Ryan didn't know anything about it. And, and sure, there had been some problems in their marriage as a young couple, but, but no different than any other young couple as they get to know one another. But this move caught Ryan by complete surprise because he never saw it coming. It all happened about eight years ago. 
Ryan's one of my closest friends. He was in my wedding, and I was in his wedding. And, and as I was preparing for this series on marriage, I, I asked Ryan to recount for me his emotional roller coaster. And, and I had sort of walked through it. Some of our friends had all walked through this with him. You know, what did you feel like when your wife first left? You know, what were those following months like? And, and we talked for a while on the phone just a, a few weeks ago as he shared. And, and Ryan suggested that he'd like to share his journal with me so that I might better understand what it was that he was, he was going through. And, and I must admit that as I've, I've read through the pages of these months that follow the separation, uh, it's, it's pretty shocking. And, and there have been some days when I've just kind of kicked back in my chair here in the office and, and just really been speechless as, as I read through this week-by-week week account of all that happened. And if you read it, you just you can't help but get caught up into the emotions. I mean, the shock. You know, I can't believe that she left, or, or the denial, I can't believe that this is happening to me, the self-doubt, the anger, the disbelief. I mean, he never saw it coming. No one ever saw it coming. You know, even his friends, we, 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 we never could have imagined this happening. I mean, there was bitterness, there was desire for revenge. I mean, it was all there. And, and some of you can relate with what I'm talking about. I mean, you've been in a similar situation. You know the emotions more than you care to. And, and for Ryan, there were some good days, or at least some good mornings, and in the first month or two after she left, there were even signs of hope. I mean, she'd stop by the house to, to pick up some things, and they'd end up talking in the living room for 45 minutes. And, and he was only left thinking, was there a chance at reconciliation? But the conversation, like all the other conversations, usually started out as good, but just went from good to worse. Ryan's a follower of Jesus Christ. He always has been. He's known God for as long as he can remember. And this was the greatest challenge that he ever faced. And in spite of everything spinning out of control and in, control in his life, it, it was encouraging for me to read this journal and to look back to see how God showed up every day to strengthen and to encourage him. I mean, even during the most difficult days, God was always there. And, and sometimes God showed up through a devotion, you know, some quiet time that he spent that morning. Or sometimes God showed up in a message that his pastor was preaching that just seemed like it was just for him. You know, it was just right, it was just right on target. Or, or sometimes God was with him, you know, in, in a phone call that came from a friend at just the right time. God was faithful through it all. And looking back on it now, Ryan had no idea how challenging the next few years would be for him. I mean, he lost his wife to divorce. He lost his mom, dad, and grandma in the span of one year to death. And even through it all, his faith is so strong today. I mean, it's so great, and Ryan, you know, he, he's got a beautiful wife and a beautiful little girl now, and I mean, he's a stronger person today, even having gone through this. But if I had to put my hand on one thing, one thing that, that struck me the most about Ryan's faith and his attitude in the months after his wife left, it's this. I mean, he lost his wife, he watched her walk out the door for another guy, he endured the pain, the sadness, the anger, and the bitterness, and still... By the grace of God, he was able and willing to forgive her. He forgave his wife. Even until the day the divorce papers were signed, Ryan was ready and willing to take her back. Now, I don't know if she left the note or not, but one day the prophet Hosea came home and found that his wife was gone. She split. She was gone. If you've got your Bible today, turn to the book of Hosea. It's not an easy one to find. It's in the last third of the Old Testament. It's the book of Hosea. 
let me give you a little quick background on Hosea. Hosea was an Old Testament prophet. And sometimes we call him a minor prophet in that we don't have a number of details about his life. And it's one of the, one of these shorter books in the Bible. But a prophet at this time was, was sort of like a pastor, uh, but different. Hosea was, was God's chosen man for a particular time in the life of Israel. I mean, he was God's spokesman to the people of Israel. God <clears throat> was going to use Hosea to communicate a particular message to his people. And hey, you know, the guy got a book of the Bible named after him, so he's doing okay. But what we're going to see here this morning is that God used Hosea's life and his marriage to tell us a story, to give us an example of what life looks like, to give us an example of what marriage looks like. And it's a story that's relevant for us as we live our lives today. It's a, it's a story that reveals an essential ingredient or habit required for any thriving marriage. Well, the Bible tells us that Hosea's wife was named Gomer. All right? You heard it right, Gomer. And that she was one of the most beautiful people living in Israel at the time. And you'd have to be in order to have a name like Gomer. That was her name. But one day Gomer decided to leave. She just picked up and she left everything. And without a notice, without any warning at all, Gomer picked up what was hers. She left her husband and her children and she abandoned her family. And Gomer was on this path of independence. All right, she was in this drive for independence. She wanted what she wanted and no one was going to stand in her way. Now we don't know what her marriage to Hosea was like. Maybe there were some problems. Maybe the problems were there from the very beginning. But all we know is that she left her husband without any notice, without any warning, and she walked out. She was gone. And her story is really pretty extreme. Gomer gave herself up to prostitution. She did. That's the path that she chose. And, and you might even better call her a call girl of sorts. She was, she was living the high life, living in the fast lane, strutting around town in her Bentley. You know, everything was going great for her. She had money, she had the attention that she was looking for, she had any man she wanted, and life couldn't be better. I mean, really for her. Until one day, God just stopped everything. He, he, he stepped in and, and, and he really confused her life and, and really messed with her. And, and we can learn a lesson from Gomer's life and ultimately we can learn a lesson from her rebellion. Because what happened in her life can happen in ours too. Here's the lesson that Gomer's about to learn. Whenever you go cruising away from God, Whenever you rebel from God, whenever you fall off course and you do it intentionally, chances are that you'll typically end up crashing right into Him. You can run from God all, of you, all you want, but at some point, you'll crash right into Him. I mean, have you ever experienced this? You know, been going down a, a, a similar path and you ended up running right into God? I mean, you're a Christian, you rebelled, you fell off course, you start making wrong choices, and one day life just kind of comes crashing down. I mean, you lose your job, or, or your bank account is extinguished. You know, the bottom just falls out of everything. And sometimes, we may not even be quick to realize that God's involved, that, that He's responsible, that He's at the center of the mess. And, and we see this evidenced in Gomer's life. We're going to see this in her particular story. And why does God do this? I mean, why does He allow these things to happen to us? Well, it's a part of His plan to help bring us back. And even if it takes just kind of throwing your life out of control, if there's a possibility that he can help bring you back or get you on track, he might be willing to do it. And maybe that's where some of you are this morning. I mean, that's your life right now. It's complicated. It's messy. 
I mean, you've been on the run from God. You've been walking this ledge of compromise. Maybe it's an inappropriate relationship. Or, or you've put yourself in some situations that, that could have a terrible effect on your spouse and your kids if you're found out. I mean, you haven't been honest with money. And right now your life is a mess. And you could just chalk it up to coincidence. I mean, you could chalk it up to a bad economy, you know, or just being bad luck. But is it possible that God's trying to get your attention to see if he can get you back on track? I mean, Gomer left. I mean, she raced out of the house. She, she, she dove into this path of independence and she didn't look back. She was on this crash course for an independent life. But let's flip the page of the story for just a second. Let, let's go to the other side of it and let's go to the life of Hosea. Because I wonder what the si- his side of the story was like. I mean, if we were given a chance to peek into his journal, what words would we read? Probably words like pain, and frustration, and anger, devastation, self-doubt, bitterness. I mean, they're all there. It's all there. And, and what complicates the matter even more for Hosea is that God in this situation had commanded Hosea to marry Gomer. And it was a risky marriage to begin with because Gomer had baggage. She had baggage that she was bringing into this marriage. She had a history that she was bringing into it. And God gave her to Hosea anyways. And while things might have gone good for a while, it didn't last long. And she left. And one day, Hosea came home and she was gone. She had split and she was gone. What's Hosea's journal say? I mean, how hard was it to look into the eyes of his family and to tell them that their mother was gone? I mean, what was it like to face his friends and the embarrassment and the confusion and the frustration, I mean, and was he angry with God? Was there a period uh, of time or were there days when he was just flat out angry with God? Let me ask you a question. What would your journal say about you right now? What would your journal tell us about your heart? What would your journal tell us about your marriage? I mean, are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you disappointed or upset? I mean, what do the pages of your heart reveal? Has your marriage turned out to be everything that you dreamed of on your wedding day? Or is he more dedicated to his work than he is to you and the kids? Or maybe she's more interested in the busy work of each day and there's just never any alone time for you. Or he cheated. Or maybe she cheated. And you're still together and you don't know how, but you are. And did you ever really address the issue? What would your journal reveal? What would it say to us about your marriage? Well, we can only assume that Hosea's journal would would reveal a, a variety of emotions. Back to Gomer, our friend Gomer. She's on the run. All right, she, she couldn't get far enough away from God. He was still there. He was always there. He was actively working in her life. Here's what God told Hosea about his wife who had abandoned him. Here's what God said to Hosea about his involvement. Hosea chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. God says, Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Here's the truth about the scripture, that God loves you and me enough 
that sometimes He builds a barricade of thorn bushes around us when we start wandering away from Him. I mean, He is willing and capable of complicating our lives if we choose to cruise away from Him. And the irony of this is that He is expressing His love to us in His willingness to go to such extremes. I mean, He's saying, come back home. You know, don't go any further. Just come back home. It's better to be back home. And and we see this in the story of the prodigal son. You know, you probably remember the story. It's the story of of a son who ran out on his father, and the rebellion was great. The rebellion was fun until he ran out of money. And when the funds dried up and things got bad, he lost everything, and he had two choices. There there was two choices that he could make. First, he could choose to endure the mess. Uh, He could have just settled for this is the way it's going to be, and I'll just endure the mess, you know, or I can fight through the thorn bushes, or I can go home, or I could go home. And, and, And for the son, he knew that it was time to go home, and this happens to us. You know, this happens to us, and and when it happens, you can stay and you can try and stick it out. You can try and push through. You can try and fight through. And there's the choice there. You can make the difficult choice, and that choice is to turn around and to retrace your steps and to get back to where you need to be, but it's a hard choice because it's a choice that that, can be humiliating. It's a choice that that is is very, you know, can weaken us and and, and be a strike on our egos. But God is like the father in the story who is waiting graciously for his son to return. He's waiting for you and me to return. But unfortunately, we don't always make the right decision. You know, I mean, the the story goes, we hit rock bottom and in our arrogance, we we just keep fighting. We just keep pushing. You know, we push through the thorns and we've got no intentions of turning around. And so we fight through the thorns and they pierce the skin and they rip into our skin and and we fight anyways. And, you know, they're saying, this is my life and and don't you dare make me acknowledge my sin. Again, why does God block our paths? You know, why, why does he lay down these thorn bushes? Well, again, he wants to protect us. He's a God that wants to protect us. He wants to bring us back. And that was the case for Gomer. But unfortunately, in Gomer's case, she just kept fighting through. And so it got worse. In verse 10, God says, So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. I will stop all her celebrations. I mean, the partying is coming to an end. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her loves. I will punish her for the day she burned incense to the bales. You know, she decked herself out with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, says the Lord. Meaning, this path of independence that she had, of I want this and no one's going to stand in my way, it is all coming to an end. And that's what happened. To kind of shorten the story for you, Gomer lost everything. Just as God had promised to Hosea, she lost everything. It was all gone. There was nothing left. The money was gone. The men were gone. Her reputation went down the toilet, and the party was over. Meanwhile, back at home, God and Hosea struck up this little conversation about what happens next. And God and Hosea got into this this conversation about where we go from here. And really, you're you're not going to believe what God told Hosea to do. It's a little crazy. It's controversial. But God told Hosea to get up and to go get his wife. God said, Hosea, I want you to get up and to go get your wife. I want you to go take her back. Now, here's Hosea. His life is a mess. 
He's trying to hold it together. I mean, he's working hard to, to keep the family together. His wife has left. She walked out. She's given herself to any man that would take her. She's hit rock bottom, and God knows it. And God says, Hosea, go get your wife. I mean, you know, how can this be? I mean, this is the same God who established marriage as this lifelong covenant to be shared by one woman and one man, you know, in this covenant relationship together. And this is the same God who allows for divorce in the case of marital unfaithfulness. I mean, Hosea had that right. But why this exception? I mean, why was he asking Hosea to take her back? And think about it. She may not have even wanted to come home. But in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, God is very clear in his instruction to Hosea. He said, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. And, and I don't know if it took much convincing. I don't know if there was any hesitation involved. I don't know if he asked a follow-up question. The Bible doesn't say all we know is that God told him what to do and Hosea did it. And there's not many other details. And so Hosea left. He went to where he knew Gomer would be, and here's what he found. In her desperation, Gomer had settled with the idea that she would, she would be selling herself into slavery. I mean, she had nothing left, not even her clothes. And so she had no other option. She was stripped naked. She was thrown up on this auction block, now waiting to go home with the highest bidder. And I want you to just try and picture the room, if you would, with, with all of these men who are ready to purchase, you know, this beaten down woman who's on the stage, and sooner or later there's a bid for $5. You know, and then over in the corner of the room there's a bid for 8 and then maybe one for 10 and 11 But finally at the very back of the room, there's one man who makes a bid for $15. Sold. The auctioneer says, the gavel falls. Sold to the highest bidder. And Hosea made his way from the back of the room, recalling every little detail of his wife's leaving and all of the pain and all of the bitterness and all of the frustration. He walked to the front of the room to do what God told him to do, and that was to take his wife back. And I can't help but try and put myself in Gomer's shoes for just a second and to look into the face of her husband and to see the pain and to see the frustration that she had caused and the stress that she had caused, you know, the brokenness and the defeat. Why in the world would her husband ever take her back? I mean, she left, she failed, she walked out. The pain that she had caused him, all of it, she didn't deserve his love. And then what was going through Hosea's mind? as he began to take her away, the reality of his brokenness, the scar still hurting, the regret, the embarrassment of it all of now taking his wife back again. And would she leave? Would she abandon him again? Could it happen again? It could. But he wasn't thinking about that. And his response to her in Hosea chapter 3 verse 3 was, you were to live with me many days you must not be a prostitute or intimate with any man, and I will live with you. That we're going to do this together, and as hard as it may be, we're going to give it another shot. And even though this marriage is broken, the belief that God can make it whole again.
And so he took her back and he took her home and they gave their marriage a chance. And so here's what it all comes down to. My hope was to just leave you with one word this morning, kind of one word of application. And I mean, it's a word that comes from the pages of this story. It's a word that enabled Hosea to love his wife again. It's a word that empowered Hosea to set aside his pain and his frustration and his hurt. It's a word that changed his life. It's a word that changed Gomer's life. And this word changed their marriage. And I hope and I pray that you believe with all of your heart that it's a word that can change your marriage too. It can give you hope again. It can give your marriage a fresh start. It's just the word forgiveness. It's the power of forgiveness. It's the reality of what forgiveness does. It's the rebirth that forgiveness can cause. It's forgiveness. And it is essential, essential to any marriage today. I mean, we must be able to forgive. Husbands and wives, you must be willing to forgive. And forgiveness is basically this, just to give you a quick definition, even though I know you know what it means. It means to cancel the debt. It means to say that I am letting it go, that it is erased, that it's gone. It's saying, I realize you hurt me. I realize you took something from me, but I am choosing to forgive. I am choosing to cancel the debt, meaning you don't owe me anymore. I'm not going to carry this through our marriage anymore. I'm not going to carry this pain or this bitterness any longer. I'm not even going to wait for you to apologize in some situations. I'm not waiting for you to own up to it. You don't even have to believe that you've done anything wrong. It is in God's hands. He can deal with it. But as for me, I'm canceling the debt. I am choosing to forgive you. You know, when it comes to forgiveness, the Bible is pretty clear. Let me just share a few passages of Scripture with you. You can write these down and maybe read them this week. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. Jesus says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Meaning, hey, it just doesn't end. I mean, as I'm going to continue to forgive you throughout your life, I'm going to expect you to forgive others as well. That's what makes forgiveness controversial. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32, Paul's writing about how we should live as followers of Jesus. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Don't try and carry it through life. Get it out of your life. Get rid of rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And then, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then, and then Paul kind of carrying through that passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Because He's not going to ask you to do anything that He hasn't already done. Be imitators of God, even in your marriage. And because God is able to forgive Friends, you and I can too.
I, may, I, I know that it may not seem possible right now. I know that you may be hurt and broken and lonely and uncertain and have no idea how to proceed right now in your life. God can give you the strength and the power to forgive. And some of you here this morning, you need to forgive your spouse. It's time. It's well overdue. And maybe you've tried to convince yourself that you've already done it and you haven't. And it's time to forgive. You need to cancel the debt and you need to let it go. And some of you are holding on to a grudge and maybe it's pain in your past. I mean, you know the story, you know all the details, but you're still together. But unfortunately, you just coexist now. And your marriage isn't what it could be. Your life isn't what it could be either. You're miserable. And it's not so much even because of what she did or because of what he did. It's because you won't forgive. You're carrying the bitterness. You're carrying the hatred through every day. And maybe it's time to forgive. Or maybe you're divorced. Because this works here too. And and he walked out and it's over and he's got this new life. And you share the kids but you can't stand one another. And the hard part is that he's moved on. You know, and it makes it so hard that he's moved on or she's moved on and, and maybe they're even remarried, but you're bitter. You know, you're still holding on to the pain from the past and you have every right to be hurt. But maybe it's time to forgive. You know, maybe it's time to forgive. It's time to let go. It's time to cancel the debt. Or for you, the truth is that your spouse cheated. And you know this and maybe no one even knows, but it's painful that they did. And you have every right to be angry and hurt. They broke the covenant. And and for whatever reason, you're still together and maybe you're just doing it for the kids. But let's just suppose for a second that they confessed. And and they're making an effort to get things right in their life and they've surrounded themselves with some accountability and and, and it's genuine. And it doesn't mean that things aren't going to be hard for a long time. And it doesn't mean that you can just snap your fingers and get everything back to the way it used to be. I mean, things will always be different. But it could be good. It could be better. It could be even greater than it ever was before. Maybe it's time to forgive. Maybe it's time for you to release the pain and the bitterness. I mean, to cancel the debt for the decision they made. And it's time to believe that by the gracious work of God, that even your marriage can be better than it has ever been. I mean, you and I would do well, every one of us, to make forgiveness a habit in our marriages. And and I can't break down every little situation of the toilet seat being left up for the millionth time or, you know, being late for dinner or in the most extreme cases. But let me just say this about forgiveness, that it doesn't mean putting yourself in a dangerous situation. You know, forgiveness doesn't always mean taking him back or taking her back. I mean, sometimes the decisions that we make have consequences. And forgiveness for you may just simply mean moving on. But it's still saying, I'm canceling the debt. And because God doesn't hold it against you, I'm not going to hold it against you either. And so can we learn to forgive like Hosea did? I mean, husbands and wives, can you, can you make forgiveness about, you know, your marriage covenant and make it this essential ingredient that takes place in your marriage newlyweds? I mean, can you learn to forgive one another? 
you know, whether you're married or not, can forgiveness be a part of who we are as followers of Jesus because it's what he's asked us to do. And life is hard, and marriage is hard enough without trying to carry a grudge or carry a burden. I like what one person said, the key to forgiving is to quit focusing on what they did to you. And maybe the power comes by focusing on what God has done for us. I mean, because here's the thing. We've all committed adultery. Every one of us. We've committed adultery on God spiritually and that we've cheated on Him with other loves. We've given our lives over to other things. And Jesus Christ is our bridegroom and we are His bride and, and we've cheated on God. We've chased after other loves. And the story of Hosea and Gomer, I mean, it's a great story for two reasons. On the one hand, it gives us this great picture of a marriage that's broken, and by the grace of God, He is able to put it back together and take the chance that it could be greater than it's ever been before. I mean, what a great picture for any marriage today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you, saved, you, you faced in your past, that by the grace of God, by the power of God, it can be put back together. But there's a greater lesson in this story of Hosea and Gomer, and it's really the main point of the text. It's a story about God and His love for you and me. Because in this story, Hosea is really God. And Gomer, it's you, really you and me. And what God was wanting to communicate to His people at that time and even today is that He is a God who relentlessly pursues us. He is willing to forgive us and He is willing to take us back. And so God sent Jesus into the world and He sent Him to die for my sins and He sent Him to die for your sins. And you can be forgiven because of it. You know, maybe this morning you need to experience forgiveness personally. You know, you've cheated God, you've cheated others, you've been walking down this destructive path in your life and you're realizing that this morning it needs to end. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us of all of the unrighteousness in our life. And you can do that this morning. You can do it right in your seat. You can ask God to forgive you and He will. Or maybe this morning you need to see God's strength in your life to be able to forgive because you can't do it on your own. You have no idea how you will proceed. You're, you're maybe willing to take a risk and believe that, okay, I need to do some forgiving, but I have no idea how I'm going to do it and God can give you that strength. I mean, you've been carrying a grudge and, and you're holding the person accountable for their sin, but, but ask God to give you the power to forgive. Ask Him to give you the wisdom to move on. Or maybe this morning you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've never surrendered your life to Him, but you're just walking through a valley of thorn bushes right now, realizing that it makes no sense to keep proceeding that you need God in your life. Friends, I want you to know this morning that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, in the world to die for you. And His love is available to you. His forgiveness is available to you if you will just receive it. You have to receive it. You have to be willing to take it. We're going to sing a couple of songs. And after the service this morning, we'll have a team of people up here. They're a part of our response team. And maybe you just need to talk with someone and ask someone to pray for you this morning so that you might be able to experience the forgiveness in your life. We invite you to come forward at the end of the service and do that. Or, or maybe you're in your marriage right now and you and your spouse are here today and you just know, hey, we need somebody to pray with us. We'll be up here after the service and we would love to pray for you.
And maybe you need Jesus Christ to be the part of your life, the main part of your life, your salvation and your hope. We'd love to talk with you about that this morning and we'll be available up here afterwards. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for this story that you've given to us from your word and for the truth that is proclaimed loud and clear from the book of Hosea, but it's the truth of the entire Bible, Lord, and that is that you are able and willing to change lives, and you've done it through your son, Jesus, if we're just willing to accept it. God, you know all of the details of our life and our situation and our marriage and our stories right now, and God, I believe that you are capable of entering into those situations with us, even here this morning, God, to give us wisdom and strength and hope. And we just open ourselves up to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.